Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Camp Diaries series of Shout a Buffalo Football Podcast, where I take you deeper inside training camp with conversations from some of the best and brightest beat reporters on the Bills beat today. And guess what? If you're having a barbecue, tailgating, uh, on a road trip to see your favorite football team, wherever the season finds you, make sure to stop at Tops Friendly Markets for the best deals in town from fresh meat, to locally grown produce, Tops has everything you need and so much more for mealtime, snack time, or anytime. Tops at your table since 1962. All right, everybody, without any more delay, here is my conversation with the Athletics, Joe Biscalia. What is up, everybody? Welcome into uh, your favorite new podcast series of the offseason. It's still technically the offseason, right? They haven't played any games yet. I don't know if I can get away with that, but Camp Diaries is back, and we are uh, taking it up a notch. And by that, I mean you're pretty tall. Joe Biscalia from The Athletic is in room 216, and we're going to do a deep dive here into life at St. John Fisher University. Yeah, it's uh, I am overwhelmed to be in room 216 right now. I've I've heard a lot of uh, tales about what these camp diaries entail. So, yeah, I'm I'm I've got my guard up. I'm ready to go. Listen, the one thing you can count on is that I'm taking the wheel and we might swerve off the road. And I, I really don't know what's coming at you. We don't know until we get in the seats and we and we ride. And so let's, let's ride. We're back at the college after two years of COVID. Let's start with what have you missed the most about this setting, this environment covering training camp? Yeah, I think the thing that I miss the most is just like the general buzz that's in the air for each individual practice, because you know, as well as I do, when we go back to, to Orchard Park, it's, it's really static there's not a lot of of energy and you know i 
I find that uh, the players kind of respond to all of that too. So that part of it is nice. The, the reporting aspect of it is, is cool too, because like, you know, since fans are in attendance, we can report more than, than we can back in, back in Orchard Park. So that, that part of it, I really like just for our job, but uh, yeah, it's, the energy is cool. Seeing all the fans kind of interact and in this kind of like, condensed setting whereas it's not as huge as what we saw at, at Highmark for that one Friday practice that's cool too so I you know I don't love the drive because I'm I'm a psycho and I drive back most nights but um you know it, it tends to become like a half an hour after or at least it feels like a half an hour at least my brain is telling me it feels like a half an hour but other than that it, it's it's great so We've talked a lot about this personally, and it's it's the constant juggling act of how much time am I willing to lose back home in the family situation versus just the convenience of just staying here and not having to uproot everything every day because we are like we're plotting along here long hours. Like, I mean, right now it's 555. I won't finish until 615. I'll probably come back here after going out to dinner and whatever and doing more work. So Take me through the logic of why you go back and forth, how long you have. And when you did stay over, and I don't know if you've actually stayed in the dorms. I think you stayed in a hotel when you, this camp, right? You have not been in the dorms overnight? Uh, no. What did you do back in the day? Did you move the beds together? Because a couple of people do that, and I don't know how comfortable that would be. Dude, I'm 6'5". Like, <laughs> I, I, I need to push those beds together. So it was like a push the beds together and sleep diagonally. Because otherwise, my my legs are hanging right the hell off. Um, so I, yeah, that that was the play back then. I used to dorm it. Um, back then, I wasn't married, uh, and that that's a little bit different. I also didn't have a house back then, which it makes it a lot different um, to to be able to do that. Didn't have a dog. That's that's another thing that I have to go back and take care of. Um, but all, all that said, like there is a certain allure to just staying here every once in a while. The, the grind of going back and forth, it's, it's definitely a big time management struggle um, because there's so much to do. And, and, you know, I know everybody that, that, that um, does it here. I mean, we're all kind of under in the same, in the same mold here. I find that when I know I have to go back or that I'm going to go back, it puts an extra pep in my step because you don't want to, get back like super late 9 p.m. And then all of a sudden you're turning around and and uh, and driving back out at 7 a.m. Um, so I find that it it ups my efficiency, which I love. Um, I also like that the Bills practice early, which makes this all kind of go like if they were practicing at, say, one o'clock as opposed to 945, there's no point in going home. So that part of it changes too. So I think the the coach's personality gives you the opportunity. Like Rex, Rex was all late morning, early afternoon practices. I'll let you guess why. But uh, that that was kind of that mold. And I would not be getting done with stuff until 7 p.m. And at that point, it's just like, well, I'm not going home just to like sleep for eight hours. It's not like you're you're uh, you're going home and and getting able to spend quality time with your family, um, so so yeah, that it, it's just kind of a, a perfect storm. If if something happens and McDermott isn't the coach here anymore, and they bring in a coach who wants to have more afternoon practices, I'll probably stay over. That's it's I'm just I'm just going with the flow. 
I like it. You know, when you're not going with the flow is when you're locked in every day out here at camp. And this is like, this is your Super Bowl because really like when we're out here, like there's a few of us that do these daily, like intricate observations. It's trust me from somebody that has to do it for my job. It's a lot. Like I've, I've learned a lot from you over the years, standing on the sideline, talking about it, like how we're watching practice Take me through your process from a like just getting up for it. Like I'm sure that like coming to camp, like getting ready for a practice, there's got to be certain things. I know Starbucks is probably involved most mornings, <laughs> but like when you get out here, like what are you doing to kind of make sure that you're not missing anything? Because it goes drill to drill. You got to make sure you get it, and then you got to like capture it all, whether it be in your notebook or your head, and then get it to the screen afterwards. Yeah, I've I've found like a certain formula for my notebook that works for me. Um, it's usually non-legible to everyone else because I have chicken scratch. But uh, and I definitely like I have a line notebook. I definitely do not follow the lines whatsoever. It's just it's just like helter skelter, and and I know that about myself now. But yeah, I I love this. I I love camp, and this is my thirteenth year on the beat now. And like, I I get so jacked up for for training camp practice because I know I'm going to learn stuff. And being able to learn stuff and look for the things that no one else sees that are in plain sight, I love that stuff. So when um, when you're going through and, and watching like the certain parts of practice, you pick up little stuff, like little nuanced stuff from the Bills and how they operate, and it helps influence what you're trying to do on a, on a day-to-day Um like you, you get to see progression of players, which I also love. Like uh, a big player that that we've been kind of talking about uh, has been AJ Epinesa, and what he's been able to do, how he's been able to build from the non-padded to the padded, and you know maybe some setbacks here or there, but like it's all been kind of on an upward trajectory. You can see trends. Like as an analytical dude who just loves data points in general. I love that stuff because you can, you get to track and you get a good feel for all the stuff and you start to really understand where they might go with how they're going to make their roster, at least at this point of the process. So yeah, it's, it's a non perfect formula of how to do it. I think it a lot of it is, and this is a, this is kind of a, a struggle too. some days in camp because we've got so many people coming in and networking. You have to find the the perfect balance between watching networking like paying attention to it all and like like the there's networking of national media people there's networking of random bills people that are on the sideline that you have relationships with and then not missing a thing like it's a lot i know it doesn't sound like a lot but when your brain is in 45 different places as a practice is going on it's uh it's something that you definitely have to learn to conquer over time that's a great point and one that I struggle with even more so now because, you know, I'm, I'm heavily on the social media side of it, right? Like I, I I like coming out here and I like getting like the fan part of it. Like, you know, I was, I was kind of in a perfect place at a perfect time when Stefan Diggs kind of heard that a boy just lost his father. And so like just being around that, being able to talk to the little guy for a minute, I actually ran into him and his mother at the scrimmage the other night. Yeah. At the stadium, which was super cool. But I wanted to ask you, like, all those moments are super cool. And we have, like, now, after two years of Zooms, this rekindled access to the team, the players, the coaches. Has there been a moment, um, something that you've learned, an exchange with somebody, a conversation that you'll take away from this? Like, all right, it was all worth it for that, like, you know, moment 
during camp. It could be anything, really. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just being able to like because even during the COVID year, the two COVID years, we had um, a limited amount of media that could even go through there. So like all the the national people that come through and do their annual camp tours thing, like that's that uh, that was kind of a, a non factor. So like being able to meet in or not meet, but like get uh, see and, and talk to and have conversations with build rapport with a lot of these national reporters. It's that's, that's a cool part of the thing. And then just like being able to go up and strike a conversation up with someone from the front office and it not even to be about football, just like you, you go up there, ask them about their family um, and go up and talk about camp. And it's like, Oh, camp is winding down and, and like a shared experience. That's how you build relationships with people. And it, it's not even like it's a it's a manipulative thing. It's it's more of like just like a, a care for for individuals. So that's what that's what I mean. Like when it's so crazy to see uh, to try and balance all of it during a practice and trying to gain an edge and and seeing things uh, on the field while still you know, taking advantage of a very singular opportunity that is training camp. Because once, once practice begins, that's when the, or once um, they get back to Orchard Park, that's when the guard starts to go up again. Mm -hmm. Like here, I think there's no games. People are a little bit more forthright, maybe not with like the state secrets of playbook or anything like that, but, but it's just like a bit more easygoing. And and, you know, I think it's a it's a really nice opportunity to do a lot of different things before the, the season comes through. And when uh, people start to get a little bit tighter as, as September, October, November comes through. The sizzle of the grill popping open a fresh, a refreshing drink, crowds cheering for their favorite team. These are the beautiful sounds of football season. And Tops is right there with you from fresh meat to locally grown produce. Tops has everything you need and so much more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This is a great little side conversation because it's something we talk about so much throughout the year, right? Like just the, the access, like Sean, you know, Brian, when he was here, like it, it becomes a, 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 a dance that we do, right? With, you know, how much information they really want to conceal and keep in house versus the job we're trying to do of, getting some of that information to then be able to put into our work with how we cover this team. How have you noticed what's the biggest difference from Sean McDermott training camp 2017 to Sean McDermott training camp 2020? Because out of everybody that I've talked to so far, like, you know, Sal's been here as well. I didn't come up on that. You know, you've had that access, you've had this relationship. So what's the biggest difference now? Um, That's a, that's a difficult question to answer because I think he's been kind of the same since he's been here in terms of how, what little he wants to get out, ha have out there. Um, that, that has not shifted at all. Uh, so 
I don't know that much has changed with him in that respect. It, he's always, I mean, he had a pretty good teacher, a couple of teachers and Andy Reid and Ron Rivera to figure out who he wants to be. He also did a bunch of defensive coordinator interviews in, in Carolina way back when. So in terms of like on the record stuff, I don't, I don't think he has really changed all that much. He likes to have fun every once and again, a lot of times it's just down to business and you respect people's uh, the, the way that they go about it. So uh, I, it's, it's weird. I, I haven't seen a huge shift from him when he's in a press conference setting. I mean, it's, it's some, some days, some days are more personable than others, but I think we can, a lot of us can say that about ourselves. So let's get to football for a second. I have some other campy stuff like that I want to do. I know we're going to get into more life stuff, but I have one football question yes. and I know I don't want to divert too much, but we I've heard a couple of episodes of the Buffalo beat. Go check it out. You were recently on Tim Graham and friends. Go check that out as well. Um, some great camp content. What have you maybe been workshopping that hasn't gotten out yet? Like something that you've seen that maybe you've been kind of like, ah, I'm not really ready to write or talk too much about that, but something that you've maybe observed that I think, that you think might be on people's radar soon enough, but maybe isn't being talked about enough, a camp storyline or something that you've seen or something player that, that's popped up. I don't even know if it's player driven. I mean, I could sit here and say Kair Elam just because he, he's been struggling a little bit, but you know, I think I'd, I'd rather see him in preseason games before we do any of that. I, I think the one topic that has been on my mind for really since we got to camp and even a little bit before it, is what happens when the Bills offense goes through a rough patch and they've got a first-year offensive coordinator, first-time-ever play caller, and a sixth-year head coach? How do they navigate that? Is there more influence from Sean McDermott um, with Ken Dorsey? That's That has been on my brain constantly, and... Because it's not going to be just a complete rocket to the moon all year. They're going to go through, through some challenges. There's going to be a learning curve early on. And what they just had with Brian Dable was, was an offensive coordinator who had complete autonomy. And now they have a offensive coordinator that, you know, in his first year, and he's being given the role to run with it. So how much does Sean McDermott, try to influence things if things start to go awry. That's the piece to this that we don't know. It's a huge variable, could be a talking point as the season goes along. And I don't have the answer to that right now, like because we don't know how it's going to unfold. We don't know where they're going to struggle, when they're going to struggle, how long they're going to struggle. It's going to happen eventually. Like At some point in the season, it's going to happen. It's just it's just the nature of the beast. But yeah, that's that's the one thing that has been on my mind all throughout and even like days when we've seen the offense struggle a bit, it kind of just peaks back up. I mean, you don't, you don't see it too much in camp because you know, they're, they're, the pressure isn't there, but like what happens if they go through a three game losing streak and the offense isn't playing well, it's just something on my mind. I like things that are on your mind. It gets, it gets all the, it gets us all percolating a little bit. And I like to, I like to see that. Let's get back to the personal side of things. It's a question that came into my mind that I want to ask you because it's actually something that recently was a question asked of me. Like, it's my fifth year on the beat, yeah. and 
so a fan I was talking with at, at an event or a practice, I can't remember where it was. They were like, so what's next for you? Like, and I had not, I hadn't really thought about it. I've, I've probably had maybe like one to two national conversations since I've gotten here. Right. Nothing that got down the road at all. Um, but I'm really parked here. Like this, I love where I work. I love what they allow me to do. I love the freedom of it. I love the job and I love being in Buffalo where my family gets to kind of be and it's where I grew up. So I'm, I'm, my answer to that question is nowhere for the foreseeable future. And my son's in going into third grade. My daughter's going into pre-K four. So we're, we, we're, we've set down roots here. I look at you as somebody that has done, I don't want to toot your horn too much, but has done an amazing job at building yourself in this business, in the market, a brand, a trustworthy source for Bill's content, written and otherwise, audio, video. And the sky's probably the limit. But you seem very entrenched in a place where we've seen a lot of our colleagues from Mike Rodak to Marcel to Matthew Fairburn, who thankfully is back, but a ton of people in and out. Um, where do you find yourself in year 13? What does the future hold? And are you as entrenched as I feel I am? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's a natural thing to always think about in this industry. Uh, I absolutely could not have done this for 12 years going on 13 without 100% loving where I'm at. And the, the team I cover, the fan base that, that, you know, puts up with my long-winded nonsense over at the athletic like my god bless my editor because i just i crank out like two thousand word uh observations every single day it's like all right i'll take it i'll take it uh mike sansoni by the way he's 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 the man um but i i genuinely love where i'm at and the athletic is one of the was always one of those things where it was like I saw it happening when it first started and immediately I'm like, holy shit, that would be, can I swear? Yep, Sorry. Swear. I'm like, holy shit, that would be awesome. Um, I mean, I love what I was doing at the time at, at channel seven when I was there and, but like the autonomy to just completely nerd out. That is me in general. I'm spreadsheet heavy. I'm, pay attention to way too much stupid crap. I, it, it's just all of these different things. And they give me so much free reign to do the job as I see fit. And like, I, I love that about them. And so, and, and it's a, it's cool that it's like, it's a local, uh, hyper local, uh, intensive look at the bills, but it's a national platform, which, you know, growing up, I never thought I would get the opportunity to even, early on in the industry and never thought I would get the opportunity to do something like this. So I'm super happy with where I am. Like if you tell me that I've been on the beat for 35, 40 years and just cranking out observations for the next 20, 20 plus years, I'd be perfectly happy with that. My wife and I are both from here. We both love it here. Um, it's, there's a certain amount to be said and, and not a lot of people in the industry now, like, stay in one spot for their entire career and there's part of me that goes like that would be really friggin cool if i could do this for that long and be able to you know hang my hat as like you know someone that 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 could do it for that long 
So, you know, you always think about other stuff that could be out there because it's natural, but I am perfectly content with, with what I'm doing. And if you told me I, I'm, I'm doing it for the next 25, 30, I'm good with it. Well, damn, man, that was really good. <laughs> like I'm sitting here like, what am I going to transition to from this? This is like deep life stuff that like, it's like, it's great stuff. What, what did you, now that you've been here for a few weeks and you've worked in a dorm room, so you haven't stayed overnight, but you've been working in the dorm room. What did you miss the most about it? Because it was ripped away. And is it something where you've, you've, I think this is an important question that I do want to start getting to on some of these. Is it something where you've seen enough that you think the bills are invested in doing this at least next year? Because I do think that this was like as great as it is. Like I want to put over the bills for doing this, coming back here and doing it all. But it's almost could be a little bit of a dangerous carrot for Rochester. Like, okay, we're back, but we don't know for how long and they don't want to commit. But do you think it's all gone to the way like, okay, we want to do this every year or to some of our early conversations, like that control of the whole thing. If this season doesn't go the way that it, we want it to go, like could that impact their decisions? I think part, and and I wondered this I about coming back because, you know, when the pandemic started and they, and they were um, – in Buffalo or in Orchard Park for those two years, I think a lot of us thought that they would they wouldn't come back here. Uh, but part of me wonders if they came back because to capture kind of the the um, I guess the the youthful innocence uh, that they used to have back in 2019 before they became Super Bowl contenders and establishing that chemistry that bond with one another because that's that's huge to sean mcdermott he he loves that stuff and brandon bean does to a certain extent too and josh yeah yeah i mean and so having that opportunity in a year where their the expectations are so heavy i think it probably made a lot of sense to them um i do wonder if it will continue next year for a lot like what you alluded to um whether or not they're cool with uh, some of their, uh, some of the stuff that we can report on now that, that maybe uh, wouldn't happen as much in, in Orchard Park. Um, that is an element of it. I think the notion of, okay, well, if, like you said, if things go awry, then would they come back here just for the, the sake of fans? Because I wonder, because it used to be, regionalization that was a huge huge thing for this franchise because people didn't know if they would be moving to la and so regionalizing was so important which is why we saw them take that ridiculous 10-year contract with with to play in toronto mm -hmm. um once a year and and why they continued this long-standing relationship with rochester the rochester thing isn't ridiculous like it, it, it's great here and and they have a lot of fans here but you know it i think a lot of things other than, hey, let's go away for camp it have to be considered and they will be considered. And, you know, I I don't want to say that it has like everything to do with how they do, but it, it could could be a contributing factor. No doubt. Let's put some gas in the in the car. Let's rev the engine. Let's do this damn thing one more time tomorrow. And then we're back to Buffalo. Thanks so much, buddy. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. All right, everybody, that'll do it for this episode of Camp Diaries. We hope you enjoyed it. From your child's first birthday party to your holiday feast, Sunday football, backyard barbecues, and every meal in between, Tops is proud to have been at your table 
for the past 60 years and looks forward to 60 more tops at your table since 1962.